Turn in your Bibles, if you want, uh, to the book of Romans. We're actually going to be in a couple of places. Oops, that's not what I meant to do. <clears throat> so, the United States of America is a nation that pretty much self-identifies as Christian. In fact, latest surveys still indicate that if you were to ask um, cross-section of, of people who live in this country in particular um, what religion they identify with, they'll tell you they're Christian. And um, yet at the same time, if you also then hand those same people a, a series of questions having to do with Christian theology, you discover that and not only would there be, but there has been uh, some pretty incredible results as people were asked who claimed to be Christians were asked then questions about uh, the Christian faith. In fact, a couple of years ago, there was a, a gentleman whose name is Eric Metaxas, and he, he made the comment on, I think it was Charles Colson's, uh, what's his show called, Breakpoint? Breakpoint. He made a comment that if you gave Americans and even those who claim to be Christians a theology exam, their only hope of passing would be if God graded on a curve. And the reality is, is that LifeWay Research, who every few years they do just that, they, they give, they, uh, give a, it's a theological survey asking people questions having to do with Christian doctrine and Christian theology, and then compile the answers. And LifeWay, I think LifeWay is the publishing arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, I think. I believe that's the case. And so they do this every, every few years. They have an arm called LifeWay Research. And, and they conducted a survey. And what they discovered is that there is an astonishing amount of erroneous beliefs within people in this country who claim to be Christian. In fact, I read one guy who said there's only one way you could describe it is that we are a nation of heretics. That the things that we say we believe are so contra, uh, and I so, well, I don't know, I'm look, missing the word I'm after, but contradictory to, that wasn't what I was after, but it'll work. Contradictory to, to Christian doctrine that really what, we're, what we believe is heresy. And a few hundred years ago would have probably gotten you dead for espousing those beliefs. But the, and they, they came up with some really interesting things. In fact, 70, actually think about this. More than half the people who took this survey said, agreed with this statement about Jesus. Jesus is the first and greatest created being, or the first and greatest being that God created. Now, does anybody hear something wrong with that statement? Jesus was not a created being. Jesus is and was and always has been God. So more than half the people who identified as Christian agreed with the statement that Jesus was a created being. 70% answered on that same survey that there was one true God. And then, just a little bit later, 64% of those same people said that that same God accepts the worship of all religions. 
So they say there's one true God, but that one true God accepts the worship of all religions, including those religions that believe there are multiple gods. For like Hindu, there is an in, indefinite, an infinite amount of gods. So we're going to get to that in just a minute. So 64% may believe that God accepts the worship of all religions. Now, there are some people who call that accidental heresy. Thanks, Steve. He just made his day. <laughs> God provides and provides speedily. <laughs> Pat got his batteries, in case you're all wondering. So one guy calls that an accidental heresy, but one of the things that we do see as you read the, the, the results of those surveys is you realize that there is, it's not just the accidental heresy that's really concerning, it's the inconsistency. People who answer one way on this question answer in a way that's completely contradictory five questions later. And what that is indicative of, some, of a la such a lack of knowledge about what they believe, that anything that sounds good on the surface, oh yeah, I'm for that. Yeah. Well, that's why so many surveys seem to ask the same question. They want to see if you'll change. A little, well, a little, a little differently. Different, you know, right. Because people don't answer the same way. Because they don't really have a true understanding. And so that's really what we, if you, when you read that, you realize that we know so very little as a nation about what we claim is our religion, that anything that is attached to it that sounds good on the surface will go with. That's what leads a lot of people to say that ultimately everyone ends up in heaven. Why? Because it sounds good to them. You remember just a few years ago, I'm actually more than a few now, it's probably been seven or eight years if not more, a gentleman named Rob Bell wrote a book called Love Wins. And in that book, that's exactly what he said. Everyone ends up in heaven. Why? Because love wins. And so that sounds good to people on the surface. And say, yeah, I, I agree with that. I believe that. The reality is, is that for the most part, people in our nation who claim to be Christians have little, little or no interest in really knowing anything about real Christianity, and that's what leads some people to say things like the greatest actual threat to true Christianity is people who claim to be Christians. Because what they claim and what they, what they live and believe is something entirely different. Now I know none of you actually fall into that boat and that if we gave you that LifeWay research exam, you'd all pass with, or not, it's not an exam, it's a survey. <laughs> you'd all pass with flying colors, but because of that, I've decided over this next year that review is good, right? Review is always good, even things you already know. And that's why when you take, when you go from Algebra 1 to Algebra 2, what are the, what's the first so many weeks of Algebra 2? It's a recap of everything you learned in Algebra 1. Why? Because teachers know that during the summer or in between semester breaks, a lot of what you learn falls out of your head. And uh, so, you know, I, I like to say, someone asked me, well, don't you remember this? And I'll say, I've slept since then. You know, 
Things fall out of our head. So review is good. Even on things that we know, it's good to be reminded. And, and so I decided that, one, that in that... In interest, in that interest, and that review is good. I'm going to spend. I'm going to. My intention is over the next probably eight or eight months or so. The first Sunday of every month, I intend to spend on what I'm calling bottom line beliefs, and that is that there are certain core beliefs or doctrines, if you want to call them, of the Christian faith that are what we call non-negotiable. You can't without them. You what you have is not Christianity. Okay, and that's what I want to, and that's what I'm going to spend the first Sunday of each month. I'm not going to just do them all in a row. I'm going to do them over the course of mostly of the over the course of most of the year. And today we're going to we're going to start with the first one, and I'm and we're not I'm not necessarily going to go in the order. I'm going to read them to you right now, but we're going to start with the first one, which is Jesus Christ is the one way, the only way to eternal salvation with God the Father. That I think is really bottom, bottom line, and so that's why I'm starting with that one. We're also going to talk about the fact that we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. We're going to talk about why Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and we're also we're going to tie that one together. We're going to put do two and one with the incarnation as well, because the incarnation is an amazing thing, and it's an important doctrine at the same time that we talk about the Son, Jesus being the Son of God. We're going to talk about the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave, and this is really going to be reviewed because we just talked about that one in pretty much in length when we went through the Case for Christ uh, series by, uh, by Lee Strobel. And we're going, to, we're going to touch on that again, and also then we're going to talk a little bit about the ascension of Jesus Christ because it's important. And sometimes you don't think about the ascension being a doctrine, but it is. We're going, to, we're going to tie those two get together, the, the resurrection and the ascension. We're going to talk about the Trinity. Why is that one important? Well, that very question that I said that everyone seemed to flunk on about Jesus being the, the first and greatest being created by God. That, anyone who believes that does not believe in the Trinity. The Trinity. So we're going to talk about the doctrine of the Trinity. We're going to talk about the Bible being the inspired and infallible Word of God. That's probably the one we're going to tackle next because it also is one that without which many, or in fact, is one that most of the others rely upon. We're going to talk about regeneration and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the doctrine of hell because that is a doctrine of Christianity and it's one that the whole Love Wins group doesn't like very much. And we're also going to talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ back to earth. So those are the, the ones I think if you count them up it's going to it's be like nine including today. I'm calling them bottom line beliefs. And these are things that are non-negotiable. These are the things that we believe, that every Christian, person who claims to be a Christian, should understand and know. So this morning, let's open your Bibles. Actually, we're going to go to John chapter 14, probably the most obvious verse. And I said Jesus is the only way and the one way to salvation and to uh, spend eternity in heaven with God the Father. Most of you probably heard this scripture in your head. In fact, I'm just going to... Assume that you all heard it, you all know your word well enough, this scripture immediately popped to your brain. John chapter 14, verse 1, these are the words of Jesus, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. So as we look at this bottom line core belief of Christianity, one of the things that we might want to do is to kind of stack it up to see what the claims, uh, and I guess by other primary religious figures. So think of some of the other major religious systems, religions like Buddhism or um, maybe Islam or Confucius, how do you say, Confucianism? I don't know what they're, what it's called. Con, Confucianism, that, is that it? If you look at those other religions, what you'll find is that their primary figure did not claim to be divine. They did not claim to be God. Muhammad never claimed to be God. He considered himself a prophet, an oracle, so to speak, but he did not claim to be God. Jesus is the only one amongst all of the other religions in the world that had where the primary figure claimed to be God. He is the only one. The, the best part about this, Jesus could make that statement, and his words were backed up. There's multiple prophecies. There's uh, look in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 there's multiple prophecies concerning his virgin birth so Jesus claims to be claims to be divine we're backed up with evidence Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 we're coming off the Christmas season we're very we're remembering this passage really well it says therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel that's not from the New Testament that's from the Old Testament long before Jesus came on the scene, that prophecy was in place. You'll also find the prophecies that are referenced in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, uh, 18 to 25, and also in Luke chapter 1 concerning him as well. There are multiple prophecies concerning um, Jesus' divinity. We find in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, another one that's familiar to us because we just came off the Christmas season, says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So only Jesus claimed to be God. Only Jesus made a claim to be made a claim to divinity. The primary figures of all the others did not make such a claim. Only Jesus. So that's the first. Th- that's the first thing we notice. Second, we what we find is that there is a, sin has a penalty, and that penalty separating us from God. And all this ends up pointing back to why Jesus is the only way. So first of all, he claimed to be divine. Secondly, we see that sin has a penalty, and that penalty is separating us from God. Familiar passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 6, verse 23 lays it out. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The reality is this is payments required. When you have a debt, you are required to pay that debt. In one way or another, that debt 
is collected. You can say, well, no, I'll just, I'll just walk away from it. No, in reality, in one way or another, the debt gets collected. You walk away from a house, what do they get? They get the house. You don't make payments on the car, it disappears from your driveway or from your workplace eventually. Payment is required. The wages of sin is death, and there's only one payment for sin, and that's death. So let's think about that. You have two things, two particular things that you can experience after this earthly life is over. You can, have, you can experience eternal life in heaven. Okay, that one's obvious, that one's life. Or you end up in hell, and hell is death. So here's the thing. If you pay in order to pay your sin debt, you have to pay with death. And if you pay with death, where are you? You're in hell. You're not in heaven experiencing eternal life. Sin has a penalty, and that penalty separates us from God. We cannot spend eternity with him in heaven if our sin debt is not paid. Thirdly, only Jesus claimed then to be the sacrifice for your sin. This is another thing that separates Jesus from Buddha and Muhammad and all of the others. Jesus makes Jesus claim to sacrifice himself for sin. He, he never said that that sin debt didn't have to be paid. He simply said, I am the payment for that. Jesus surrendered his life to atone for your sin. Again, the words of Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice for our sin. So there's a debt that has to be paid, and there's only one form of payment that is allowable. And that payment is death. If there's sin in your life, there's only one way that sin can be paid for, and that's death. And the only one who offers to pay that debt for you is Jesus Christ. And he offers his life. Why could he even do that? We've talked about this before. Why is it, why can Jesus offer payment? Why can't I offer payment for Ed's sin? Well, because anything, anything that I can pay will only pay my own debt. Because we all have to, before you can pay someone else's debt, you've got to pay your own. I could pay my own debt, of course, then we all know where I'd be. <laughs> Again, you see, the, see what happens, why Jesus is the only way, the only way to heaven the only way to experience eternal life in heaven is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and Jesus offered himself to be a sacrifice for sin none of the other primary figures did that if I remember correctly what I think it was Trey Trey Hancock one of the fellows that ministers to uh, Muslims in the Dearborn area might have been John Kosky, I'm not sure. One of them made the statement that when, the more you begin, you read about Allah, you realize that Allah is a capricious, has a God of capricious nature, is a God of capricious nature. It's like Muslims never really know. There is no certainty. They're, they're just hoping. 
that what I've done here is enough that Allah will be happy enough with me to take me to heaven, so to speak. Jesus said, if you believe in me and trust in me, my death will cover your sins. I will pay your sin debt. My sacrifice will pay your sin debt. Jesus the only one who claimed to sacrifice himself for our sins. So when we make a statement like Jesus is the only way, and I, I'm not going to get political, but I remember a former president of ours who was pretty famous for making a statement that, yeah, he believed in Jesus, but he also believed there's many other ways to God. And that's a, that is a very prevalent, uh, prevalent belief. In fact, as I was doing some reading, I read the, a blog article of a gentleman who is a, uh, he's a United Methodist minister. And quite a while back, this was an article that he wrote back in 2002. And he wrote it in response because within the United Methodist Church, there has been a pretty large upheaval against Christian doctrine. That's, at least that's what he called it. And he said, at our, of, of, of late, at our annual meetings, and he was referring to their meetings of the United Methodist, whatever they call their groups, the conference or association, I don't know what they call it. He said, there has been an assault on Christian doctrine. Now He, he said, mostly by retired uh, United Methodist ministers. I don't know what that meant, but he, he mentioned that in particular. And he said that they, what they say is that Jesus is not the only way. Jesus is not the only way. And he went on in his article to refute that step by step and piece by piece, which was encouraging to hear that from a United Methodist minister, that he still held the, the cardinal beliefs of Christianity. And he, he made a statement in there. He said, we seem to be afraid of the label exclusive. We seem to be a label of the, afraid of the label ex, of being exclusive, that, that we're being intolerant of other religions when we claim that Jesus Christ is the only way. The reality is this, is that I think that if you, you can look at it from another angle and realize that Christianity is not the most exclusive religion, it's the most inclusive. Because Christians don't claim to be the only ones who deserve to go to heaven. It's just the opposite. We claim that everyone deserves to go to hell. Christian scripture says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Christians don't claim to be the only ones who deserve heaven, but we do claim that we all deserve to go to hell. And we all need Christ's sacrifice. And the reality is this, is that tolerance is always relative, isn't it? People who would, who would say that we're being uh, intolerant or exclusive in nature by claiming that Jesus is the only way in the face of other religions would never agree with a religion that is based upon human sacrifice, would they? So they would all become, everyone would become intolerant at some point. They only preach tolerance to a point. The reality is this, is that we all deserve hell. Everyone in the world is in the same ship's boat, so to speak, or the same boat. We all deserve hell. We all need forgiveness. 
Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul writes to the Roman church and he says, none is righteous. Or he says, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. He's referring to a couple places in Psalms, chapter 14 and chapter 53. And it's only through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that anyone can be reconciled to God. So Jesus is the only way. If we claim Christianity, if we can't claim Christianity, we cannot get away from the fact that Jesus is the way, the only way. And the reality is it, it is actually heresy to say anything else, to claim that there are multiple ways. Well, it's fine for you to believe that Jesus is the way, but there are also other ways. No, that's, I'm still a Christian. You know, we make jokes about Bapticostals and and Pentabaptists and whatever you want to call them. But the reality is, is that there's, there is no such thing as a Buddhist Christian. Why? Because Jesus is the only way. Jesus himself said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the reality is sometimes we, we, make, we kind of point at the, the words the way, the truth, the way, the life where we have a much more explicit phrase that follows it. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. Folks, we cannot claim Christianity unless we proclaim Jesus as the way to the Father, the way to heaven. It's, it's a bottom line belief. You don't have Christianity without it. Amen.